Oh, good morning, all. Great to see you in your summer attire. <laughs> Isn't it nice to see the sun? <laughs> well, lovely to see you all in church this morning and welcome to you all in Zoom. Thanks for Zooming in. We're continuing this morning in the First Corinthians series. And this morning we're in chapter 4. This chapter puts me in mind of when I was wee. was a child, but mother used to give us castor oil. I can't remember what she gave us, but we got castor oil once a year, followed by a spoon of orange juice. One's the medicine, the other's the sweetener. And that's kind of like Paul's letters. Most of Paul's letters are like that. He gives a wee bit of medicine, <laughs> and then he gives a sweetener. And chapter four is like that. The first half is the medicine, and the second half is the sweetener. I've got the castor oil this morning. Graham's got the sweetener next week. <laughs> yeah, man, it's lovely to be here. Let's read the portion first. Now you notice uh, portion. I find. Okay, okay. You notice it starts with so then. That means that something went before. So then something's going to happen. So we're going to start the reading at uh, the previous chapter, verse 20. The Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ, you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, <coughs> but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. And that time each will receive his praise from God. Now, brothers, I reply these things to myself and the Paulus for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying. Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over another. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive, if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You'll become kings. And that was it, us. How I wish that you really had become kings, so that we might be kings with you. But it seems to me first that God has put the apostles on display at the end of the procession, like men condemned to die in the arena. We'll be made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ. But 
you are so wise in Christ. We are weak. You are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. This very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are rags. We are richly treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we become the scum of the air, the refuse of the world. Amen. We got that the blessing, the reading of his word. I'll just sum up that wee passage for you. Paul started is addressing his converts. Paul had ministered here in Corinthians for 18 months with his team and founded the church. And these were new converts. And you know yourself, you've led anybody to the Lord, how anxious you are for them, you're watching over them, you're watching how you're going on, you're looking for their progress. Speak to Kenny Bothwell the other day and he said, you know, up and up the problem is as soon as people get converted, they expect them to be transformed overnight <laughs> with a full package. <laughs> but that reality as we come in, the newborn experience, like any other experience, is novices. We've got to learn what it's all about. We've got to learn to listen to God and be changed and transformed. And it's a process. Some people come in with a lot of garbage and it takes them a long time to get out. Some people are just radically transformed like that. And it all goes. <laughs> Me as a chap used to come on the old air team and he was a bit of an head and Almost a gangster, I suppose, he's a face like a knitting pattern, that many slashes on his face. And he testified, he says, I got converted. <laughs> and God turned my, my wine into furniture. My house is now furnished. I'm saying the mine. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm Bible bashing instead of bashing you. <laughs> God transforms us. So it's the process. But those who nurture us and are careful us are always concerned. How are you doing? <laughs> What's God saying to you? You know, what obstacles are you facing? Are you having a hard time? And that was Paul's heart for the Corinthians. He'd been away for 18 months and he heard these stories about him drifting off track. Things not just being strictly in the way we would like them or the Bible would like them. So he begins by, you know, upgrading them. Giving them a row, you know. What is this I hear about you comparing one preacher with another? Who is Cephas? Who is Paulus? Who am I? We're just servants of God. <laughs> so his opening question is how do you account for ministries? And how do you regard them? And he's about knowing, he said, You have disregarded them and you've set yourself up as kings and reigners. You have defiled. Are denying the revelation of God and put yourself in the place. You're puffed up. This ought not to be so. So his whole message in his heart said, Look, what's your understanding of the service of God and your place in God? He gives the purpose. His purpose is in verse 6, it's in verse 8. Verse 6. I'm writing to you that you may learn from us, not to think beyond what is written, that none of you be puffed up above another. And now, don't think of yourself any more than the scripture says to you. 
And Paul would say that in verse 30. Don't think of me any more than you see me to be in Christ. No. Imitate me as you see me imitate Christ. And they say to those who wanted to worship, oh, hold on, I'm just a man. So how do you regard ministry? So the main subject is uh, ministry. I want to ask you, uh, what is your view of ministry? I was going to put on my dog collar this morning. Oh yeah. In the eyes of many, I'm now a minister. And lots of people think, that's a minister this. These dog collar men, you know, they're the men of God, you know. Well that's understandable, because that is a way back to the days when the only people in the village or the town with any education were the doctor, the priest, the minister, and the bank manager. No. After this, couldn't you write? And there's this figure of authority. If you come back, back around in Presbyterian Church, you'll, you'll know how revered ministers are. I was in the Church of Scotland in the, the Gallagher, and we were giving out co-brickets around the parish, and the young minister there, was coming up this. And then the house went and said, Oh, I didn't let the minister touch them. <laughs> Can't get his hands dirty. Better than men of God, you know, and their sacrifice. And a friend who was a minister, and a nice young family, three or four children, and they were going off to university. And he applied for a grant for them. And they got a letter back saying, We need to know your annual salary, not your monthly. And he'd write back and say, <laughs> That is my angle. So many churches are ministers that are on low pay. You know, it only takes 10 people a tithe, and the minister should be paid the same as that. I mean, there's so many uh, vacation committees. And I'll tell you, some of the churches went like Paul and <laughs> then I've got it. As we minister the island, Mr. McLeod, yeah, the cottage and that, and the water, I think it was, it didn't have running water and it didn't have electricity. And he'd come from a wealthy family and his family had disowned him when he got saved. And he was living in the cottage and the assembly took up a collection and sent him the money to put in the electricity and running water. And what did he do? He sent it to the mission field. So many, many men give up their lives and they're not going to hear them. But there's a problem, you know, we have a late to attitude. I remember when I wrote the dog collar, you know, it, it changes people's view of you. I remember consciously enough when I wrote the dog when I was driving, people gave me a white berth. When I went to the door knocking, and had the collar on. You know, I got two reactions. One is, oh, come in. The other was, I'll get the wife. <laughs> men the dog calls, the men of the cloth are like, 
are no different from that reality. So what is ministry? The mindset they have is that we do the difference between the clergy and the laity. Those in full-day service and those poor Christians. <laughs> there is no such thing as part-time service. In Christ, full-time. Whatever you are, whatever you are. But how did that happen? It was always the prerogatives of the ministries to minister. Well, first of all, of course, how should we regard ministers or ministry? Well, first of all, the full-time ministers or the leaders of your church. Paul says you should regard them with respect. Not necessarily respect for the man, but for their calling. Well, they have to give account of you and your soul. They're praying for you. They're burdened for you. They're concerned for you. They're not whipping you. They're not bossing you. You see, servants of God are servants, they're not bosses. Paul says, I've been given authority not to put you down, but to build you up. And I care for you like a nursing mother. The role is to coach you as the care for your soul, as the shepherd who's after the sheep. And as well as the law, they're simply just human. So what about this division? There was always this divide that clearly the layman had no place in the church. In 1851, the Plymouth Brethren started, and they introduced the priesthood of the believers. And they separated themselves from the Anglican establishment to pursue that. Back in 1958, Tom and Jean Reeves, who were wrote a book called Danger, Saints at Work. It's still a bit, I looked up, I looked up Amazon to see the book, and that's a fact, they got a flight. It says, 906 pound. <laughs> Hardback, eight pound. <laughs> so I don't know what the 906 pound, that must be the vintage one. But they wrote this book way back then to Danger Men at Work, and that was the start of the stirring up in the Presbyterian Church to lowly ministries. It took that long. Charismatics were brought in this reality of everyone, every member of ministry. Everyone was gifted in a different way. Everyone, a part of the body, contributing. So when we consider ministry, the first minister, basic model is Jesus. Paul says, Jesus is my foundation. You can critic me, you can have an opinion of me, you can think what you like, it doesn't really bother me, what really bothers me is what Jesus thinks, what the master thinks. And without Jesus, we have no ministry. And we have no salvation, we'll love again. You see, ministry is giving out what you have. <laughs> the reality is the Bible talks about us being filled with the Spirit, filled with blessing, filled up, pressed down, 
overflowing. And the only better minister to others is the overflow. You can only give what you have. So Jesus is a model. He's our salvation. Without him there's no ministry. You're fucking to see. He's our message. He's our hope. It's in him we are changed and accepted by God. He's never absent from Paul's letters. It's all through first Corinthians. In chapter 1, he's our sanctifier. Jesus separates us from the world, separates us from the old life to the new. Chapter 2, he's the Lord of glory. He delivered us. Chapter 3, he's our foundation of our faith. It's in him we stand. It's in him we're accepted by God. It's in him we're forgiven. It's in him. Nothing deserves to boast. And the chapter 4, it's him that judges us. And I remember as a young Christian, I would want to be once saved. And I was witnessing the work, and I was against eight men, I remember it well, but eight of them around me said, Who do you think you are? Who obeyed you? What makes you think you're right? Very intimidating for a young Christian, isn't it? <laughs> but I said, Well, Jesus obeyed me. I got more than this man. He said, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, I'm just telling you what Jesus says. And that's true for us all of us. We have the ministry. Jesus said, go you. You're my witness. Let your light shine before me. We get this idea to witness, be a witness with Jesus. Oh, we've got to be a witness and I'll give my three points. But even if you don't say nothing, <laughs> In fact, people know you in your profession. That's the witness. That's the witness. Oh, that's a Christian. That's what a Christian looks like. That's what a Christian does. So let your light shine before men. Jesus says, if you own me before men, I own you. Just open your mouth and have fun. Go and preach the good news. In the scriptures, there are 16 types of minister or ministry. Elders, overseers, shepherds, preachers, teachers, evangelists, ambassadors, fishers of men, workers, messengers, servants, soldiers, stars, stewards, and people of God. The reality is that there are more than half of them <laughs> apply equally to the layman as to the minister. Who are the ministries and what are the modes of serving? The folks said to Jesus, how may we work the works of God? In John 6, Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who we sent. That's where our ministry starts, our belief in Jesus, our conviction, our experience, our conversion. Let me tell you, Samasi, let me tell you what my God has done for me. Says one of his Psalms, Lord, we've heard about you from our fathers. Our traditions and our culture taught some about you, but now 
the pen is dropped. Let me tell you, my God has done for me. That's ministry. So we're all that into the body of a fellowship for our edification. To be edified and to edify others. That word edification simply means to be strengthened. That's why it says, forsake not the assembling yourself together, <laughs> that you may be encouraged, built up, and strengthened. See, church is not to have a wee holy ghetto on a Sunday. Church is to equip you for ministry on a Monday. <laughs> the ministries are given that the saints may be equipped to minister in the world, to help you to shine. When one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. Paul takes me by license and gets me a bit sarcastic and then the way he says, you have become kings. You're now reigning. And that without us. In other words, we're despised we don't to who needs them. We're as good as they are. And Paul says, oh, I wish, <laughs> I wish you were what you think you are. I wish you had what you're professing. I wish you were reigning. I wish you were strong in God. I would just rejoice with you. But he says, don't judge us. You have nothing to just boast about. Because anything you have, you've been given. Every gifting is the grace of God. So how does that apply to us? Then be We don't have the problem of being puffed up. We don't have anybody shouting and shouting to get here. <laughs> we have the opposite. You leave it the walking. You want to shrink back. I'm not lovely. I'm just me. I'm not good enough. I'm not gifted or talented. Or perhaps we don't want to be regarded as being different. You see, you're going to be the same person out there at your work, in your neighbourhood, as you are here. You can't come into church and switch on. I'll put on my Christian book. He that preaches the gospel must live the gospel. Because it's your life that preaches. And perhaps we just don't want to deny ourselves. We want to sit back and sure of heaven. Well, it's nice to know I'm saved. Nice to know I'm not condemned. It's nice to know my sins forgiven. But I want to rule my life. Jesus is not just your saviour. He becomes Lord of your life. You gotta let go, deny yourself, and let him lead. Enjoy his fullness. Why? First of all, because you are loved and called by God. Each one it says is given the task of following Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. You got convicted by the Holy Spirit. God granted you the gift of repentance. The light of the gospel, the penny dropped. 
And he says, yes, Lord. And they were saved. Well, the scripture gives us several lists of gifting. The nine charismatic gifts in the Holy Spirit, which we will come to when we get to chapter 12, no doubt. The list of servants. The member gifts. Gifts of administration. Helps. Come to hospitality. Feed the hungry. Visit the sick. The prisoners. Share your testimony with goodness. First Corinthians 7 and 7 says, Each one has his own gift from God. Let's just tell us saying you're unique. Just as your fingerprints and your eyeballs are unique to you, your testimony, your experience is unique to you. First Corinthians 12 and 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them and all of us. Romans 12 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. The reality is that you are called and added to the fellowship in order to input your gifts. And the first gift is yourself. You're the gift to the fellowship. And the Bible says, for see, not the assembling yourself together. That Greek word assembly means bring into identity. And when you're added to the church, you actually change its identity <laughs> to incorporate you and your personality and your gifting. And when you're missing, it's depleted. <laughs> when you're part of a whole body, that is knit together. The reality is you are called to the fellowship. You are the gift. Not what you do, first of all, but what you are. And he says, let your light shine before men. Take your light from it, go under the bed, and stick it on the candlestick. Let your light shine. Well, I'm a bit shy. Ask the Savior to help you. <laughs> he will comfort and strengthen. He will aid you. He will carry you. It's very simple, really. How do you do it? Ministry. Better word than ministry in the group is service. Serving is simply imparting to one another what you have received from the Lord. Share your story, how I came to trust in Jesus. Paul said, be ready, now it's easy to give an account to yourself. And Peter said, what? why are you different? I came to Jesus. Yeah. But when you do the things you do, I came to Jesus. Why did you react differently to redundancy? I came to Jesus. How are you surviving? I came to Jesus. I used to teach the kids when I took me out to YouTube how to give their testimony, very simply in three words. Before, you know, and you just get it. Before I was this, before I was in drugs, before I was whatever. 
Han havde det. Og han er min. Ja, det var bare en lørdsindskis. Men nej. Og man gjorde en salvation. Man tænkte, at før jeg kom til Jesus, jeg var spændelig happy. Jeg var 17. Jeg var sådan en rolle. Jeg tænkte, at min liv er wonderful. Jeg har bare skabt, at der var gøres rundt. Jeg tænkte, at det er mig. And I met a fellow at my work who witnessed it. You see, basically we have in us this knowledge of God and this virtue, you know, there's something more. And it challenged me. And I trusted Jesus at 17. Right there in front of the Gaffer's box and the engineering work. And now, 60 years later, I do the same again. Jesus is a better master. Let's have a share your testimony. Share how he has blessed you. Everybody talks about the weather. Everybody says, some day this is it. Lovely day. Yes, this is the day the Lord has made. Huh? Isn't that surprising how people react? You'd be very surprised at the number of people that's following me and say, I'll pray for you. You know, the most obnoxious people are thinking it's me, they're no ventures. And they share with you, say, I'll pray for them. Would you? And that's wonderful. We are more reluctant to speak than they are to hear. Share how you blessed you. I was blind the rest of you. I was poor the rest. I was angry now, peaceful. Share your answers to prayer. I got a relationship with my father. I remember when I and I were young, using my wee single end. That's why I've been so happy for 60 years. There wasn't the room to change your mind. And uh, we had a wee situation, I can't remember the situation, but, but I was at my work and I said, oh, this is happening. And this chap says to me, oh, you do? I said, oh, it's all right, we'll just pray about it. Forty years later, this chap came to work in the firm I was running. He says, are you still praying? I says, huh? And God's still answering. You remember that? Forty years ago. You must have been surprised at that. That God should answer prayer. You're sharing God's blessing. And Paul says, shine the stars. That's the glitter. That's the glitter. God's blessing your life. God's acting your life. God's doing your life. Share it. Paul says, don't hold back. God's no respecter of persons. You have it all. The fullness of Christ is yours. He that is in you is greater than he is in the world. The same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is he that is strengthening you. Jesus said, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll not leave you to do it your own. I'll be with you. You shall receive power be my witness. And Christ here is a new creation. 
That means the old is going. The new is come. Sometimes to make way for the new, you've got to be ruthless and discard the old. And the old is very other. You get this conviction and you don't do that anymore. Paul says people get annoyed with you when you no longer join in with them the things you used to. Because they don't understand. You've received a new treasure. You're a new creation. Jesus says, I have ordained good works for you to do. You're still here <laughs> because you're not finished your work yet. When you're finished, I'll take you home. Don't worry about it. Don't let your past and the present. Your personality and your gifting has all been a preparation for your ministry. You'll find this gift is already in you. His grace will bring it out. Just because I am a child of God, what you see is what you get. Let me tell you what God is doing for me. That's ministry. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your grace and reaching out to us calling us from darkness into light, breaking into our lives, Lord, with the gospel. We do thank you, Lord, for the transforming power, the work of your spirit in our lives, changing our habits, changing our desires, removing our lusts, Lord, with the virtues worthy of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, when you look upon us, you don't see your sin, you don't see your feelings, you don't see your past, but you see is wrapped and clothed in Christ. And that same voice that says, this is my son and whom I love. When you see us in Christ, you say the same. This is my child, and whom I love. Here you have. Amen.